Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am your host, Ben Davison, and it is Sunday the 24th of September in the year 2023. Hope wherever you are around Australia or indeed around the world, it is a wonderful day for you, just as it is here for me in Central Victoria. A couple of stories we want to talk about today. The first, of course, is The Voice. We are now less than three weeks away from Referendum Day. And of course, pre-polling will start two weeks out from the Referendum Day as well. So if you are a volunteer, if you are interested in supporting the Yes campaign, get involved at yes23.com.au. Get yourself signed up to some pre-poll. I'll be doing some shifts in my local community. Had a good uh, conversation with a whole group of people locally yesterday. People keen to volunteer on referendum day, volunteer in the lead up. There's still lots of work to be done. Lots of undecideds to be shifted. As Kamal has indicated, I don't know if you've caught up with this on social media, but Kamal, the entertainer extraordinaire, uh, probably best known in the 80s and 90s, has gone from a no voter to a yes voter, uh, having had conversations with people that he met through online, Eddie Sinnott, uh, I understand Briggs, uh, Dan Illick. These conversations shifted Kamal from a no position, very public no position, to a public yes position. And now we have the phrase, Kamal Mentum. And if you're too young to know who Kamal is, ask your parents or possibly your grandparents, because really this is a potential game changer for that generation of people who, quite frankly, are the generation we probably most need to shift at this point. But the other big referendum news that we need to discuss was yesterday's no rallies. So, of course, last week you'll remember that there were huge uh, rallies right across the country, marches and walks for yes. We didn't get to cover them because, of course, I was too sick to do a uh, podcast last Sunday. But 200, 250,000 people right around the country, massive turnouts in not just capital cities, but regional centres. You had people travelling for miles to attend their local yes walk. And they were peaceful, joyous assemblies of citizens that sometimes stretch for kilometres. The one in Melbourne, people hadn't even started on the official walk route while the people at the front uh, were piling into the end point of the route. So many people were trying to participate. And it was great. Everybody was peaceful. There was lots of positivity, uh, lots of dancing and cheering. Uh, There were speeches from Uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders. There was music. It was a really, by all accounts, really lovely uh, outpouring of unity and solidarity right across the country. Now, let's compare and contrast that to what happened yesterday. Yesterday, there were some no rallies in various parts of the country. The numbers were very, very small, uh, less than a few thousand in total uh, right across the country. You had speakers uh, like uh, former United Australia uh, uh, MP Craig Kelly uh, speaking. Uh, You had some very unsavoury characters, quite frankly. They were organised by a man who calls himself uh, the Aussie Cossack, who is currently residing in the Russian embassy. Uh, 
you know, this is this is really fringe stuff, people. I have to tell you, really fringe stuff. Uh, they had Nazis at their rallies holding up uh, racist uh, white supremacist signs. You know, I've seen some reporting that says Nazis gate crash the rally. The Nazis didn't gate crash anything. This is their rally. This is their people. This is their cause. You know, there is no question that there are some people who will be voting no because they're just uncertain. They just don't know and they've bought into the, if you don't know, vote no nonsense, right? That's an easy cop out. And I had a long conversation this week with some people who didn't know and were concerned. And we went through all their concerns. But frankly, I think probably that propaganda has got to them a little too much. However, the reality is that propaganda is coming from these nefarious and toxic sources. So whatever the person who votes no, whatever their motivation might be, we need, they need to understand, we all need to understand that the root source of this, the underlying cause, is racism. It's racism. It's hatred. It's a white supremacist agenda. And you can front up as many Aboriginal people, as many people of colour as you like, to be a public face of this and to say, oh, it's the Yes campaign that's racist. The reality of this is Nazis attend these rallies. Nazis. These are not people who we want determining the policy of our country. I mean, we fought a war to stop fascism, but fascists have infiltrated and are perpetuating the arguments of the No campaign. They are cultural far-right actors. Van talks about this a lot, that fascism and the far-right has moved away from a skin colour-based form of racial identification and racial supremacy to a form of cultural supremacy. And quite frankly, Jacinta Price's comments at the press club indicate just how pervasive that has become. When she said that there are no long-lasting negative effects of colonisation and was applauded by that small little crowd of people who are all very much a part of the Western culture is better than all other cultures movement, she was spouting that kind of racial ideology. It's very strange. I find it very strange, and I'm sure you do too, to see people say that by voting yes to an advisory body being enshrined in the Constitution and recognising that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are the first nations of Australia, we are somehow creating racial division in this country because it ignores the fact that there is racial division in this country. There is racial discrimination in this country. There has been since colonisation. There continues to be. Just because farmers aren't on horses riding down and shooting Aboriginal people in fields anymore doesn't mean that Aboriginal people are not being discriminated against and that they don't want change because we know that over 80% do want the voice. And 
picking up and isolating these voices like Mundine, like Jacinta Price, and saying, oh, well, they they don't want it, so we don't have to do it, is picking and choosing to support what is an ideological position that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people shouldn't be recognised, shouldn't be consulted. They are the only group of people identified in our constitution for which the Commonwealth may make special laws. The only special group of people already identified in their constitution. Yet there's nothing in the constitution that gives them any say whatsoever over those laws. The referendum is about giving them the right to be consulted on those laws. And I'll read here, we were contacted by one of our frequent listeners and regular contributors, uh, Kerry Nash 20. Uh, Big shout out to them, who's currently traveling in Arnhem Land, from one side of Arnhem Land to another. And they were talking with a local Indigenous uh, man by the name of Cal, and Cal said, and this is this is in some ways it's heartbreaking. On behalf of his community, he said that they would be quote grateful for anything different to their current situation, and to please pass that message on. So that's from on the ground in Arnhem Land. Kerry Nash twenty sent me this via satellite. <laughs> Direct message me this via satellite because there is no Wi-Fi in Arnhem Land, by the way. No Wi-Fi in Arnhem Land. This is a serious, serious issue. And we can't let Nazis scare people into continuing the disadvantage of our First Nations brothers and sisters. I worry that we will. Of course I do. I think it's terrifying that Australia could wake up on the 15th of October and have voted no. But hopefully you will join me on pre-poll, you'll join me at train stations, you'll join me on referendum day, and that big chunk of people who aren't decided will get an opportunity to help shift their votes. A couple of other big issues I want to talk about today. One is the Fells price gouging inquiry kicked off this week. Uh, Really interesting and important inquiry into price gouging in the economy. Uh, Some reports come out today from Chris Richardson from Access Economics saying that our budget position is actually much better than a lot of people predicted. Debt levels, debt repayments are all back below where they were before COVID. That's good budget management. But of course, we're seeing price gouging continue to affect people right across the economy. And the Fells inquiry Uh, being run by the ACTU. Yet another good reason, by the way, to join your union. You can go to australianunions.org.au slash wow to join your union. This price gouging inquiry is hearing evidence about how much Australia's inflation problem has been caused by companies taking an unfair share of people's pay packets by jacking up prices on essentials that they didn't need to just to maximise profits. This profiteering effect has been prevalent, we know, for some time. Companies always seek to maximise profit. Qantas is a classic example. It's happening in supermarkets as well through a combination of shrinkflation, that's where you get less for the same price, and inflation, where the price simply goes up, in order to buffer and increase the margins on particular products. 
And it's not just flights and food and beverages. It's right across the economy. We've seen it uh, with increased prices for gas, electricity, fuel. Uh, in almost every sector, things have gone up in price. At the same time, profits have gone up. And what the Fells Inquiry is hearing is that these things are not disconnected. And that'll come as no surprise to anyone who listens to this podcast because we've been talking about it for some time. And it's good to see the ACTU taking a lead on exposing on exposing this horrendous behaviour by corporations. It's not just here in Australia either, by the way. This is happening right across the Western world, probably even broader than that. But it is impacting on people's livelihoods and their ability to meet the cost of living. And that's why we're seeing people say enough is enough when it comes to the greed of their companies that they work for and their attempts to stifle wage increases. So there's two other issues that I want to put on the table. There are two ongoing strike actions, one uh, with NSIS, uh, where ETU members are in their ninth week of a strike, which is taking place because the company, despite making huge profits, refuses to offer a decent pay increase. Now, you can check out ETU Vic's Facebook page for details. Essentially, they have a, a strike fund where you can help support the workers who are, have been on strike for nine weeks, but also they are looking to get people to email uh, the Enesis. Uh, head of operations, to remind him politely that this is Australia and workers deserve better than to be starved out of their workplaces. And there's an email address on that Facebook page that you can send an email to uh, Mr. Rockavert, I believe the name is. Sally McManus, the head of the ACTU, was down at the strike this week. And of course, the other big strike that's happening at the moment uh, is the UW, United Workers Union members at Ingham's uh, have gone on strike. Now, Ingham's, of course, supplies chicken to uh, KFC, McDonald's, and our big supermarkets, all of which are recording very strong profits. Not only are they recording strong profits, but Ingham's itself has has increased its profits by 72 Percent, 72% profit increase. The CEO's wage is up 9%, and yet they are offering only a few cents an hour increase to the workers. The workers at Ingham, by the way, earn as little as $22 an hour. $22 an hour. They're only asking for an increase of $1.50 an hour, and yet Ingham's is holding out to try and break the workers. This is the fundamental issue with corporations in Australia today. We can talk about climate change. We can talk about other social issues. But at the end of the day, corporations in this country are governed by or managed by, in particular, some of the laziest managers in the world. They are simply seeking to squeeze more and more out of their workers and out of their customers. They're not interested in innovation. They're not interested in doing things better or smarter. They're not interested in training their workforces. The level of investment that companies in this country make in their workforce, in their equipment, 
has consistently been declining, and yet their profit levels have been consistently increasing. Why? Because the workers' share has been decreasing. Prices have been increasing. So we get hit with a double whammy. We have less wages to spend and higher prices which we need to spend on. This is unacceptable. And I'd encourage everyone to support the UWU workers at Ingham's. You can check out the United Workers Union social media channels. They're on every uh, possible platform as far as I can see. And they are also running a strike fund to support those workers. These are low-paid workers. And it, it always boggles my mind how quickly, how quickly the media wants us to forget. And maybe things will change now that Rupert Murdoch is stepping down, but I doubt it. In case you missed that news during the week, Rupert Murdoch, in his 90s, is finally stepping down as chair of, essentially of Fox, of News Corp, whatever you want to call the group of companies it is now, the Murdoch Empire, and letting his son Lachlan take over entirely. And if it sounds like a bad run of succession, that's because it pretty much is a bad run of succession. Lachlan, in one of his first acts, is to try is trying to appoint Tony Abbott to the board. So for those of us hoping that a revitalized Murdoch Empire would somehow or another look to quality journalism and an impartial view of the world, I think we are likely to be disappointed. By all accounts, Lachlan is even more ideologically bent than his father. And the appointment of Tony Abbott, a man whose grip on the future consists of bringing back knighthoods and damehoods, who made himself the Minister for Women, who is actively campaigning against The Voice, and who managed to lose the once safe Liberal seat to an independent, possibly forever, because of his stance on women and, of course, on climate change, something that he just doesn't believe is real, I think we can expect to see more worker bashing from the Murdoch Empire. And it's sad because there was a time not so long ago during COVID when everybody was encouraged to support and encourage these workers, these workers who help keep our lights on, these workers who help keep food on our table, who did brave the pandemic when there was no vaccines to keep our country running. And now that they ask for $1.50 an hour more, when their company has a 72% increase in profits, they are basically told to get stuffed. Well, we here at The Week on Wednesday, Van Batam and I, support the United Workers Union workers at Ingham's. We offer our solidarity to them. We offer our solidarity to the ETU workers at Enesis as well. And any worker who is taking action, we would encourage employers to realise that without the workforce, they don't have any profits at all. So stay strong, comrades. Stay strong in solidarity with each other and know that we support you, the listeners of the week on Wednesday support you, and in fact, polls generally show that the Australian people think corporations have too much power and workers not enough. 
so the majority of Australians support you as well. You might notice that this week I didn't talk about Insiders. I couldn't bring myself to watch it, despite the fact that I think uh, Murray Watt is an excellent minister, and I'm sure he nailed the interview. By all accounts, he did. I just couldn't bring myself to watch the the panel today. It just wasn't something I had the stomach for. I hope you'll forgive me that indulgence. Until Wednesday, when Van and I will be back with another episode of The Week on Wednesday, remember to be kind to yourself and to each other.